Welcome to the podcast where we talk about all the things that are hidden in the shadows. This is Isaac. And this is Megan. And on this episode, that is not necessarily scary, but some a lot of people will find it extremely scary if we talk yeah, about it. Yeah, there there might be some people that don't might skip out on this episode because we're we're diving into exorcisms and the Vatican files. Kind of, yeah. yeah. More on like what the Vatican kind of has said about exorcisms. Specifically, one of the main exorcists for the Vatican. What he has kind of came out and said when he was alive. He's unfortunately like passed away in 2016. But kind of what he, his experiences and even experiences of the church that have been put out in like interviews, articles, stuff like that. Because I feel like, I don't know about everybody else, but I feel like they're... the from TikTok to YouTube interviews, stuff like that, a lot of exorcisms or exorcisms, exorcists that are part of the church now are definitely coming out and speaking about it. So mm-hmm. I find it super interesting. And I doing some research in this, I definitely found a lot of information. I was like, whoa, say what? And it's actual quoted. It came from their mouth. So we're going to talk about our own encounters with yeah. these uh, demons. Yeah, because I feel like we we consistently talk about like the limits of what like an attachment or an entity could do because we talk about haunted locations, we talk about houses being haunted, different paranormal, well, creatures and and stuff like that is different. But like, I know we, one of our main things we talk about coming from a paranormal investigation background and, and having abilities and stuff like that, we obviously come in contact with spirits and we've come we've talked about coming in contact with demonic stuff but i think it's important to know especially if, even if you're a paranormal investigator going out there and knowing like the levels at which attachments can happen because the best of people can get attached like have attachments like there is plenty of cases where nuns were had to be exercised there's plenty of cases where people that had abilities got taken over by something and it's not necessarily like full-blown possessions like the exorcist but it's it's oppression and we're going to kind of go into that in a a couple cases we're not going to really touch too much into the cases we're going to kind of sort of because there's also people that have died from exorcisms and i think that's a very important thing to bring up when you're talking about anything paranormal because you know yeah spirits and stuff are nice like to interact with and stuff but once you start getting up the hierarchy to demonic stuff you know that's and you can have a negative attachment and not really be oppressed, but like, what's the difference, if that makes sense? What's the level it crosses, the boundary it crosses when it's like a serious situation? Yeah. So that's what we're going to be talking about. And the reason why we're talking about that, I think, other than that little explanation I gave, is you have a lot of movies coming out. You had the Pray for the Devil movie, which I think it was Bishop James Long that said it on TikTok that that was one of the more accurate movies because i think it kind of gets on our head like is hollywood when they make movies on possessions and stuff like that are they exaggerating like what because i know i personally i've been around people that are are, that was oppressed but i've never physically been in front of somebody possessed like full-blown yet yet so we don't know if that's something that's gonna happen in the future or what i have been around people obviously with negative attachments i've even been around people that have are so far down like dark magic like holes like stuff like that that their energy is just really bad so i've I've dealt with all that but and he said pray for the devil is one of the most i think he said in a tiktok yeah was like one of the most accurate portrayals of what happens and it's 
the storyline is meh, but the things that are talked about in there is pretty good if you guys just want to watch that. Kind of jump scary, kind of a little bit cartoony here and there, but like it, it's still a good movie. It's still got good uh, quotes and stuff like that. And then another movie coming out. I think it's in April. I know it sparked a lot of people's interest. It's got Russell Crowe and it's called The Pope's Exorcist. And it's about a guy that we're going to talk about today called Gabrielli Morith. Yeah, I'm Italian and I was like, oh my God, I can't picture this. So um, he, unfortunately, like I said, he died in 2016. But there was plenty of documentaries. He spoke a lot about like the stuff that he did. Um, and he did, according to him, I got to look back at my notes because I'm going to go more in depth, but cause I'm speaking from the heart right now. No, I'm just kidding. Memory. But apparently he treated over 70,000 cases of demonic depression or possession. And the thing is, there's different stages of demonic possession and i think there's even more stages of demonic possession if that makes sense you know you have oppression and there's another one that i didn't even know about that apparently is another form before it gets to like possession like basically where okay we always talk about the car analogy right like possession is oppression is kind of like you're getting so imagine car is your vessel you are the driver and oppression is kind of like you're getting pushed into the passenger seat. No, I would, say, I would say more like the demon is like smacking you, trying to make you swerve off the yeah, road and like stuff like bo- that. Yeah, I Messing feel like with both. the buttons yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. And like a negative negative attachment is more like just messing up your car, right? Somebody banging on the back of the outside of the car. Yeah. yeah. Like trying to mess you up, telling you to go off the wrong exit, like that kind of thing. But a possession is like you are no longer in control of the vehicle. And you are locked inside the trunk. And for the exorcist has to come in, unlock the trunk, and put you back in the driver's seat and take that thing out. But he was saying that only like a a smaller portion of them were like full-blown possessions. But over the years that he exercised, basically he was nonstop. He worked seven days a week doing these exorcisms and I think one guy said that it averaged out to one case a month nonstop like just nonstop so that's kind of interesting when you think about it because you know I I personally know being in the Panera Panera that's weird (laughs) Panera bread community no I'm just kidding in the paranormal community a lot of times people say like oh I haven't even encountered a demon so how but to see numbers like that is kind of kind of crazy and that's one that he's he's one guy it just makes you think about like how many how many possessed people there actually are now like he said a small portion of it is actual like full-blown possession sometimes it's just like darker things or things starting like oppression some of the things that he said that is interesting is uh he said one time it took six or seven of his assistants to hold someone down and that the the person being exercised choked up nails and shards of glass. That's what's insane because how, how, how without swallowing it, is it there? He was asked in a, which this is another thing that I find interesting. He was asked in an interview with ABC news about whether the devil came into the Vatican. He said he already tried. He did it in 1981 by attacking John Paul II, which when you start diving into like the Vatican, apparently John Paul II was feared massively by demonic entities for whatever reason i I find that interesting yeah 
because Granted, I was only he, two years old. So. He rarely did like exorcisms too, which is interesting. By working with those who armed Ali Akna. And then there was also an attack on Christmas Eve night when the a crazy woman pushed down uh, Benedict the Sixteenth. Mm. So I guess he's trying to get out of that people were, I guess, influenced to do that. So yeah, he worked a basically worked seven days a week, twenty four hours a day on an on call schedule. So whenever anybody would have something, he was basically on call for all these things. But I want to go back. I kind of like went off. Sorry. But kind of for those listening, what is an exorcism? Right? I mean, we kind of described it, but the actual definition is a religious or spiritual practice of evicting demons, jinns, or other malevolent spiritual entities from a person or an area that is believed to be possessed. Uh, Depending on spiritual belief of the exorcist, this may be done by causing the entity to swear an oath perform an elaborate ritual, or simply by commanding it to depart in the name of a higher power. Spiritual possession, an unusual or altered state of consciousness and associated behaviors, reportedly caused by the control of a human body by spirits, ghosts, demons. Spirit possession exists in Buddhism, Christianity, uh, the Haitian cultures, Hinduism, Islam, Wicca, Southeastern Asian religions, African religions and Native American traditions. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that we're going to talk about because obviously, or on another episode is kind of like the breakdown of exorcisms in other religions, because I feel like obviously you hear the Roman Catholic church is pretty much like superior when it comes to, uh, eradicating like demonic presence. So I, I know me personally, I'm curious to find out these other religions, like how they get rid of it. Yes, and one thing that's always kind of irritated with me when I've heard demonologists and Catholic priests when they talk about exorcism and stuff like that from their point of view. Granted, if you ever listened to us from the beginning when we started out, we always said we were a paranormal punk with a Christian point of view. That's not the case anymore. And a lot of things have led through our life to get to a point where now we consider ourselves more Nordic pagan, but in a form of spirituality because we've seen a lot more. Mm-hmm. And we can't just say this is particularly one thing and that's it. There'll be an episode in the future probably talking about that, but not not this one. But what irritates me about it is how they have heard demonologists and Catholic priests say that after you have been exercised, you have to become Catholic or Christian or believe in God mm-hmm. in order to prevent yourself from being a, you know, a victim again. That's not true. That's not true in the least bit. But the reason why someone becomes possessed or even in a level oppressed is because they're we're dealing with depression, hatred, sadness of some kind. And the demon saw that and was like, ooh, that looks tasty. I'm going to, you know, torment this person, break them down so I can possess their vessel. Mm-hmm. And then over time, yeah, it gets to that point where the person finally says, I give up. And then it's allowed the demon in. And then, yeah, and then it takes over. And then you got to do the whole exorcism thing. But after the demon's gone, if the person goes back, gets, you know, spiritual, and not say spiritual awakening, but basically gets back to a point of, strengthening their will, understanding and stuff like that, knowing how to find peace in their life, they'll never be a victim ever again because they'll never be a person uh, able to be a victim ever again because they have strengthened their will and their and their happiness in finding themselves. It, well, finding the reasons and basically getting rid of the reasons what got them in the first got them in, in the first place. And I think that's if somebody finds that in religion, right? Or finds that in a specific religion, go for it. But 
it's not which I do I I am seeing some some priests do say that our exorcists are saying now more so now than ever not like in the past but there's a couple that I've seen so far in interviews that are starting to say well you just have to have some sort of faith I don't care if it's catholic but the different stages so in the actual catholic church they have a couple of different words to describe basically situations going on and one of them obviously is possession and that is they believe that satan or demons take full possession of a person's body without their consent yes and no because i, I that wording is kind of weird because essentially with most demonic possessions you have to invite them in like a vampire you got to invite them in and some people do that subconsciously some people talk do that consciously you know by accident obviously we've talked before not about the the whole ouija board thing how you can invite things in and it's harmless there's a story about i was watching i forgot which exorcist it is i think it's i think his name don't hold me to it is michael lambert i think he's one of the main ones that are kind of going around doing interviews and podcasts talking about exorcisms and stuff like that and he's part of the church but he talked about somebody that he knew a priest that he knew in new york there was a girl who was trying to make it as a musician she had was talking to one of her friends about how she oh my gosh if i could just like she was saying this out loud if i could just oh i would just love to be rich and famous i would love it love it love it love it if i could just make music and tour i would love it i would do anything for that And so apparently this girl had a dream and in this dream, there was a man that came to her. She said, extremely handsome. No, correct it. It was a father, Dan uh, Rehill. The story that's connected to this was a priest named uh, father, Dan Rehill. Oh, okay. But she had a dream and this guy was extremely good looking. And of course, I don't know if anybody's heard that quote, but the devil wears a suit and a tie. He's not going to specifically look like this creature thing from the abyss. Like, you know, he's going to come looking sharp. But he came to her in a dream. And sometimes that happens. Came to her in a dream and was like, hey, I can make all your wildest dreams come true. But you got to let me in and sign this. So apparently in the dream, she cut her finger and signed this contract that this guy had with blood. And she woke up and she said that her finger was cut and there was ashes by the bed because the contract went up in ashes, right? And so she, of course, got everything she wanted. She was getting, doing well on her music, was getting paid very well. Everything seemed to be going perfect. And then she started getting diagnosed with illness after illness. And I think it was AIDS at one point that essentially got her really bedridden. And she had told her mom the story and I believe she was Filipino, I believe. Um, so her mom immediately called the the priest and came in, told the whole story, and apparently he instructed her that they need to the I guess the creed that's in the Catholic faith. I mean I'm I was Catholic before, but the yeah. I, I forgot what it's the actual name for it, but it's a creed you say like to basically establish your faith. And she has to re-sign it with blood. And the doctor was like, uh, yeah, we're not going to do that because nobody's cutting anything because she's got, she's sick with AIDS. Like, we're not doing this. The The priest was like, this has to be done. You need to leave then. This needs to be done. And so the mom agreed, the daughter agreed, and the priest agreed. And so they did that. And apparently she flatlined. 
And when she flatlined, um, she basically came back. <gasps> they ran blood test, no longer with AIDS. Yeah, it's almost like you have to, there's some way, either subconsciously or consciously, but basically by her having that dream and, and confirming, it's kind of like she let it in. And even with, I know we talked about before about Megan, how she had her exorcism. And eventually she's going to come on here and talk her story because I want everybody to hear it. She wants to tell it. So at some point she's going to come on and tell it. But Megan on our paranormal team, we've talked about how she went through an exorcism. Some of the things she's told me about like while she was being exercised and stuff like that is absolutely insane. Essentially, she got the the invitation kind of happened for it to come into her was... She had a dream. Again, looked very, very handsome and used one of her, not weakness, but essentially Mike was sick and she, they, he used that to basically make his way in. Don't you want your husband to be cured? Nothing bad will happen to your husband if you do this. So again, an invitation. She didn't actually go out and seek an invitation, but it, but it came to her. That makes sense. Yeah. So that's something interesting. So, but like I was saying, the possession usually comes as a result of a person's action. So something like that. Uh, Actions that led to an increased susceptibility. Another word that they kind of use is obsession, which I didn't know about this one. Uh, Sudden attacks of irrationally obsessive thoughts, usually culminating in suicidal ideation and what typically influences dreams. That's interesting. Oppression, which is uh, no loss of consciousness or involuntary misfortunes in business, material possessions, family, and health. Now, I'm going to say this. Not everybody that's going through, like, life stuff is oppressed. Yeah. It's just like when it just seems like, I don't know, you feel like something negative is attached to you. But sometimes that can even be negative energy. That could be hexing. That can be cursing. That could be... Which I didn't know the Catholic Church talks about curses, too, by the way. There's I mean, a couple interviews that talked about that. I mean, they should. It's, just, it's something that they're essentially going, going to deal with when it comes to dark witches performing um, curses on people and stuff like that. Because one one priest was like, there was the question on TikTok. But I find it funny that they all are going to TikTok now. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that was asked was like, do witches have power and and stuff like that? And they actually said... Yeah, to a degree and all that stuff. And I was like, okay, well, that's interesting. In the Roman in the Roman ritual, I guess, a true demonic or satanic possession has been categorized since the Middle Ages by the following four typical characteristics. Manifestation of superhuman strength. Speaking in tongues or languages that victims don't doesn't know. Revelation of knowledge, distant or hidden that the victim cannot know, blasphemous rage, obscene hand gestures using profanity, and an aversion to holy symbols, names, and relics or places. Now, I will say, I've watched, especially preparation for this episode, I watched, which I, if you've listened to the very beginning of our podcast, I was never able to do, is watch possession videos. And I have. And the thing I noticed for me as as someone, like, it would immediately tell me somebody that's between somebody that has, because that's the one thing that the Catholic Church does do is they bring in psychiatrists and they actually go through a long freaking, like, list of analyzing somebody to make sure it's not a mental illness. And there has been some priests that say some mental illness have been caused by something oppressing, but 
not all demonic possession or not all mental illness is demonic possession, if that makes sense. But some kind of coincide together. Anyways. Okay. But for me, the one thing that I noticed is the eyes. The eyes are different. On someone that's like mentally unstable, the look is different than the eyes. And for me, I don't know. Eyes are very important, especially when I'm reading somebody or kind of getting something. Anybody that's around me that sees me read somebody will tell. I Like, I go off their eyes specifically. Looking at, like, demonic possession, like, clips and stuff like that, it's, it's the eyes. I can almost tell you immediately if somebody is, is possessed versus mental illness. It's a different vibe. It's a different energy. It's a different look. Well, that's the thing with, with us is that the oppression cases we have dealt with so far, we necessarily didn't need a psychiatrist or anybody on, on on call or anything like that because we, granted, we have advantages versus anybody else and mm-hmm. with our abilities and stuff like that. So we can tell people off the bat, yeah, or no. The second mm-hmm. walking into a home, most of the time we didn't even have to be there. You just remote view in and I have a video chat with somebody and we can already know from just doing that. So, But as there are advantages over everybody else. But when it comes to identifying it within, say, your friends or your family when someone's being oppressed, it's like out of nowhere. I mean, they, granted, they could have shown depression beforehand or they've been sad about something or, you know, breaking will because of, because of stress or over, over something, right? But nothing to the major level of what they have become. They've become a complete recluse. They don't want to associate with anybody. They're always lashing out for no specific reasons, angry over simplest things, extremely depressed or sad, and almost like they become an entirely different person. That's a big, giant sign. Whoa. Not saying that is yeah. idealistic, but if you throw that in with a bunch of paranormal shit happening in their home, kind of want to say they're being oppressed. So one thing that I think, too, specifically that gets overlooked, because I guess anybody they could say anybody could do this, but for me, one thing... So as a psychic, when I start channeling, right, I pace. It's just, it's inevitable. I pace, have, sometimes I like move, like almost like, uh, like erratic movement, but that's just me channeling. That's not me. Like I'm not possessed or anything, but like, that's, that's just what I do. A person that doesn't have abilities. I feel like when they start doing that, that's also a sign. And they said a erratic like movement. If they start pacing and they start getting angry and they start pacing and they start like moving the hands in just a weird way, to me, that's not the main sign, but that that's that would be a sign to me. Because that means something is channeling through. And that's essentially what how I feel like a demonic presence makes its way. Like a psychic obviously channels different different beings light and dark but like somebody that doesn't have abilities they wouldn't know what channeling is or feels like and that's what it looks like but like i said going back to the priest uh gabrielle morris he was born in 1925 and died in september 2016 he was an italian catholic priest and exorcist of the diocese of rome who claimed to have performed tens of thousands of exorcisms through his life. Morith also, along with five other priests, founded the International Association of Exorcisms. Like I said earlier, in October 2000, it was reported he had performed performed over 50,000 exorcisms, uh, which some of them led to several minutes to several hours. Catholic Church also talks about how sometimes people have to go through multiple exorcisms 
and that it could take a few years to fully get everything eradicated. But apparently in March 2010, he said that the number had increased from 50,000 exorcisms to 70,000. Okay, so Amorath also said the following guidelines to those exercising the terrorism of exorcism. Any such person must be highly regarded for his prayer life, faith, acts of clarity, and judgment. In addition, he must rely solely on the word of God or traditional prayer, be completely detached from monetary concerns, and profoundly humble and treasure obscurity. So, obviously, obviously you're going to say that your faith is the faith that's going to gonna eradicate everything i don't entirely oh i guess prayer maybe yeah that makes sense and i do think like for him or not for him but for in general you know obviously being spiritual in some form of aspect is gonna help you get rid of these things and then too obviously i know they they've talked about and even in like the pray for the devil movie that basically you have to have your dirty laundry kind of like out there because sometimes and according to a lot of the exorcism, not all the time, this doesn't happen all the time, but sometimes obviously you're, if you have anything that you're kind of shamed of, what a, depending on the level of the demonic entity, it'll bring it up. It'll, it'll bring it up. If you have something that you're shamed of, guilty of, it'll bring it up. Like in the Pray for the Devil movie, it was the abortion of the, the nun that. No. What? She never aborted the baby. Oh, she didn't. She gave it away, right? Yeah, she didn't know who the father was. Okay, why did I think it was abortion? I don't know. No. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> oh, she... Okay. But either way, you didn't love your mommy. You didn't love her. No, you, were so, you were so high on drugs, you didn't know who the father is. Yeah. yeah. And um, that's another thing is, like, the voices. Uh, it's kind of crazy. You'll have, like, a... I know one priest was recalling some of the stuff that they've seen, and one of it was that, you know, a young boy was talking in such a low voice that wasn't even his that, you know, sense. And if you see the Pope's exorcism trailer, it's that same way. The the boy is like, get me the priest. Mm. That was really low. I'm sorry if I scared anybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, but apparently some of the things that Mr. Gabrielle Amorth has said father that he's seen somebody vomit metal the size of a human finger he sees somebody vomit rose petals um and he says the exorcist guide is the scriptures and his tools are the prayers and that the principal responsibility of the exorcist is to free man from the fear of the devil Hmm. which i found okay i found this very odd so apparently towards the later years he apparently could even purge a demonic possession, which I'm sure it wasn't wouldn't be the full fledged like all the way possessed, bending weird and like growling and all that stuff yet. But he could do it through a Skype call, which I find that weird. <laughs> <laughs> I read that I was like, say what? That's what we do. But... I mean, so yeah. <laughs> but to be honest with you, on a possession case, I don't know if I'd be feel okay doing Not it the remotely. first couples. But after I think I get a hang of it, I think I'll be fine. I don't know. I, I, uh, Morris said that he has seen different shocking behaviors from uh, patients. And this is the crazy thing that I was like, oh, snap. I would have never guessed that. That's interesting. So apparently spitting, that's one thing that occurs when a person is all the way kind of like the demon is in there. They're exercising. And apparently he advises you have to watch out for spitting. And apparently, he did one time where a possessed person spit on him. Three nails materialized in his mouth. 
and he spit them out. Mm. He still has the nails. He also claims that the exorcism, his exorcism la- lasted about 30 minutes on average, average and he would off, often conduct five over the course of a morning by appointment only with breaks for paperwork. And like I said, he did them through. He also did telephone and Skype calls, apparently, for exorcisms, which I find that so funny. Well, it's not funny, but you know what I mean. <laughs> so one of the things that he or tip he passed on was what the whole spitting thing was that basically he keep kept a handkerchief or a tissue in front of his face and he would kind of over the years learn like when they were going to spit which i found that so bizarre like if if that that would i, I feel like because i have not seen that in front of my face when that if that did happen, it would it would blow my mind. I'd be like, "Whoa, where'd the nails come from?" Yeah, because that's crazy. Because that's an actual object out of nowhere, and it's oh, that that, that freaks me out. Okay, so I found this also interesting. The Vatican first uh, issued guidelines on exorcisms in sixteen fourteen. Apparently, when you there was even some history that I found that you can go all the way back to hieroglyphics portraying exorcisms was there some kind of like a little tiny book or small tablet tablet thing that was kind of etched in like a tablet it was like real small that basically gave i guess the formula but at least the um procedure and exorcisms and it dates back to ancient mesopotamia it's possible that's, that's it's, before egypt yeah it, yeah it it's far back and to think that this apparently though the vatican revised their guidelines in 1999 and like i said uh, according to the u.s conference of catholic bishop demonic possessions include superhuman strength obviously like we said earlier in the episode it took one time six grown people mm-hmm. to hold down a young girl i've never experienced it so like i i can't say but apparently people have been thrown like thrown out of the way and i i think if i remember correctly didn't it take a lot of people to hold megan down too right uh mike brandon and uh another guy named rob yeah which they were all of at least 200 pounds and all for you know around the height of from six foot to you know five ten mm-hmm. so i mean they weren't little dudes Mm-mm. and she's oh. and she's smaller than you. yeah yeah she's smaller than i am yeah. that's that's so crazy to me and i think that's why a lot of times you see them being strapped in chairs and stuff like that and that's why because but apparently uh aversion to holy water and the ability to speak in unknown languages actually the catholic church there was one interview i was watching where they actually say they go through a, a long kind of thing to prove if the person can speak in different languages or not so if like you start other signs obviously spitting cursing which cursing not like cursing like you say oh crap oh no i'm possessed no um it's like <laughs> you know what i'm saying like it's actual like cursing at the priest. Shit. yeah okay yeah. that was a little yeah but here's the thing is unfortunately as much as exorcisms have done good and eradicated things from people there has also been really bad situations where the person has died um there's cases where even like some cases were terminal even in the roman catholic church and there's there was cases where these are some that kind of like had a bad situation occur it was basically terminal 
Um, some of these are from the exorcisms by the church, but this could also be other religions. In 2003, an autistic eight-year-old boy in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, was killed during an exorcism by church members who blamed an invading demon for his disability. In 2005, a young nun in Romania died at the hands of a priest during an exorcism after being bound to a cross, gagged and left for days without food or water in an effort to expel the demons. And then on Christmas Day in 2010 in London, England, a 14-year-old boy named Christy Bamu was beaten and drowned to death by relatives trying to exorcise an evil spirit for, from the boy. And I think that's why the, the Catholic Church is so adamant about making sure that it's not a disability. It's not like there is actual demonic presence there. Because there has been, there was another case where there was a girl, I forgot what her name was. I think she was Nick Ogwin where the family was pretty much sure that she was possessed. The priest got it and I, or not the priest. It was, well, I guess it was a, a priest, but it wasn't like associated with the Catholic church. It was like a side religion thing. Cause it was in the, the remote jungle in Nicaragua. But, um, apparently he got that thing of, of lighting fire near her and she fell into the fire and ended up dying. And so, and then there is cases where the exorcisms, the people will die of, uh, I think there was one that was like suffocation that happened. The boy, uh, was being exercised and it was suffocation. So irregardless, it's insane that, that somebody can die technically from that. I mean, those situations were kind of like people being not taking precautions like they should have. Okay, so we're going to go over some cases. Uh, hopefully one day in the future we'll go more in depth of these individual cases. But there was one case in 1949 of a boy. His name was Roland Doe. Um, he was 13 years old and his name was changed to Roland Doe to protect his privacy. But he was mourning the loss of a beloved aunt. Um, he began hearing and seeing strange things. As the possession worsens, he started getting super violent and had superhuman strength. His per his parents took him to St. Louis in 1949 for a weeks-long exorcism, and it's been known as the St. Louis Exorcist. Exorcism, sorry. And it's basically also inspired the movie The Exorcist. The boy screamed and cursed and attacked his exorcist until, quote-unquote, a miracle occurred, and... Roland came out of his trance-like state. The boy simply stated he's gone. And that was the end of the exorcism. But, and I noticed that, like, sometimes uh, at the end of exorcisms, the person will say something like, he's gone, it's it's gone, or, or I'm relieved. In 1974, Michael Taylor, an Englishman, husband and father of five, met 21-year-old Pastor Marie Robinson. Frequent bouts of depression seemed to ease. Taylor believed it was due to Robinson's ability to exercise demons plaguing him. After Taylor's wife confronted Taylor about a possible affair with Robinson, he physically attacked her. This led to an actual exorcism by two ministers that took place on October 5th, 1974. Some of the symptoms that Michael had was seizures, uh, spitting and biting the exorcist and screamed in tongues, which I thought, what is tongues? He brutally murdered his wife. Mm. He wasn't convicted, however, because of the defense argument that the exorcism had made him insane. That's a scary thing about performing exorcisms because what if the person dies? Like in the movie, pray for the devil, spoiler alert, you know, the one, the one person commits suicide and sometimes that happens. Uh, several people die. Yeah. Yeah. 
But then you ask me, like, if, what's, if someone dies possessed, what happens to their soul? Mm-hmm. Same thing would happen to them if they die in a car accident. You think so? Yeah. yeah, because the demon does not possess the soul, it possesses the vessel, the body. It has nothing to do with the soul, it traps it in the back. So if you were, say, in a trunk and you had a car accident and you died with a, with a vehicle, essentially, uh, you just go to where you go. Okay, this one is 1990, The Exorcism of Gina. 1990, Reverend James the Bar oversaw three exorcisms, all sanctioned by the Archbishop. New York Cardinal John O'Connor and the Vatican. The exorcism of the Florida teenager, she, her name was Gina. It was televised on ABC Network in 1991. They had her strapped to a chair. She screamed and barked unintelligibly at the Reverend as the Reverend pressed a cross into her face. Told her uh, supposed demons that and told her supposed demons that if they wanted pain, he'd give it to them. Ultimately, it was uh, antipsychotic drugs that gave Gina relief. Long story short, this person is is definitely trying to say, like, a lot of the exorcisms can be... That they're not exorcisms. Now. Yeah. Our personal mm-hmm. experience. What similar cases in dealing with demons that we have before... And if you've been following us for a long time now, listening to Shadow Walker series and other haunted updates we have done, then anything I'm about to tell you now is nothing new. A little bit. That's that's not a, a tantalizing teaser for anyone listening right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But for if this is your first time listening to us, I'm about to uh, blow your mind. Because me and you have encountered, seen, at least what I have seen, encountering them and you hearing them. All shapes, all sizes, all heights, all formalities, all types of textures, and the ones we've encountered, right? From the Cheshire Demon, which is what we have experienced two different versions of that. One, like, was a Miva black cloud with a giant grin flowing flowing through it. And the other was a Victorian-style, I don't know, dapper guy, shadow figure kind of thing, but with a giant grin on his face. And this, almost like a, a Cheshire Demon kind of thing. From a giant bull-like man to a skinny rock-shaped elemental kind of demon thing to one with horns kind of made a crescent moon on its head that both went opposite directions with uh, designs in its faces from dark entities with white eyes. I also think it's interesting some of the one of them specifically had like branding on them. Yes and that one I think I took from uh, a friend of a friend's place. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, had a inverted pentagram branded on his, or scarred or branded on his chest. Yeah. Right? Uh, that one was uh, very boscious. Like, how dare you? Like, like that. Like, kind of talk to me like that. How dare you take me from that place? Kind of that mindset. And then, but all we've, all of them we've encountered always have the same perspective, is that they always talk a big game. And a lot of them can back up their, their words. Some don't. But a lot of them back up their words and stuff like that. But what I've come to find out is that everything that we've been told by the Catholic Church or Christians in particular is that only priests and only God and only Jesus have the power over these things to conquer them. But me, simple shaman, right, with an ability that's outlandish for most people to believe in. And I understand me talking about it turns some people off because it's hard to believe. And yes, I understand me talking about it is you can't believe because you can't take my word for it. You need proof. I would need proof if I heard it from any other source. My ability has to be... Uh, experienced to be a hundred percent believer as of now well for the time being but in the future hopefully we gain some kind of footage so you actually can see it work in real real time 
but I have been able to take these things down. Some have been a little tougher than others, but so far my record is 28 and zero against these I, things. I think too, with anybody that it deals with the darkerness of the other side, you have to be a specific person. Like, like the priest always talks about, like you have to have this and this and this and this. And I think that, I don't know. You have to be very, you have to be confident. You cannot show what was it that you can't hesitate no it was something from pray for the devil where it was like you can't show oh they show no mercy they don't get tired and they don't hesitate or something like that and i think that's very true like i i have to give isaac props he doesn't show fear he doesn't show hesitation he goes at it and i think essentially as a priest and like in the in the pray for the devil movie you see like the 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 priests that are there and they're fresh, fresh priests. Like they're just out of, I don't know what they call it. What is it? The Vatican school. Like, like when you become a priest, like you get a exorcism school. No, not the actual exorcism school. Like I don't know. When, when you become a <laughs> priest and then you go to the exorcism school, but they were fresh. Like, like, you know, like a military guy going in, like just graduating boot camp. It's like they just graduated like priest academy or whatever it's called. And they go to this exorcism school and they're like, whoa, this is not what I am pictured it because i know there was another priest that was on an interview that was saying the deterioration of skin the the foaming of the mouth the all of that stuff the smells like that is accurate like it's not something that's can't have fear well the point i was trying to make is that even i who's not a priest in the least bit yeah and has hasn't really trained to be a shaman but all everything i do is shamanistic like my ability have able to conquer these things which will lead to us into a future episode of how other faiths and other religions and other practices of the spiritual uh world have been able to conquer these things and i'm what's the basis saying is that it catholic priests and, and christians essentially say they're the only ones who can conquer these things when we know that's not true we know that's not true and people we've helped know that's not true and if i can conquer these things granted my ability of but if I can conquer these things, I'm sure people out there with more teachings and more practices and more faith into what they believe can probably do the same as well. Not saying everybody go out and go do an exorcism. No, no, I'm not, not saying, saying that. that. No, no, no. Don't no, say that no, because no. somebody even got like, like, yeah, don't, don't, don't. We I'm are not, not, I'm not recommending. Not saying, let me rephrase it better. I'm not saying an average person with, with similar faith and stuff like that. I'm saying if you're in Islam, you can ask whoever is your, the priest form of islamic yeah. faith saying goes for any other faith in the world whoever is your holy man your spiritual guider your leader your shaman you would say someone who is practiced in their in their faith to be knowledgeable of how to conquer these things go to that guy yeah right saying if you're of a hinduism and you have to go to a catholic priest to get exorcism not necessarily you can go to your spiritual leader of your of your of your of your sect of your church or something like that and he if he's knowledgeable in the form could probably perform himself i said I feel, well but the point i was making is that not it's saying the only catholic church and christians are the only ones who can do it is ignorant in a sense like that mm-hmm. yeah reading a lot of the research and stuff like that i don't i i don't know what i would do if i saw like i mean i know what i would do essentially i'm if i was in that type of situation i would obviously be strong and not like freak out or anything like that um because i honestly don't um so how isaac pulls right Mm. and he pulls the demonic stuff i have the ability where i could 
if I wanted to, and I have before, I know some psychics don't want to. They don't want to even attempt to talk to anything dark. But I am assured of my abilities where I know nothing's going to get me, in a sense. And then obviously my foolproof safety is that I have Isaac with me. So I know even more, if something were to try and attach to me, that Isaac could pull it away. But I've talked to these things, and that's the thing. They're very brunt. They're very much bullies. I know people like to say that they're not. And that they're... Oh. That just reminded me of something. Mm-hmm. Speaking of what you were saying, mm-hmm. um, tell what the demon said to you when we helped at that guy, a friend of ours, who called us randomly about his his person he randomly met at a convention. You channeled in just to see what was there. Mm-hmm. What did that demon say to you? Oof. It started giving me images of, um, and it basically threatened me. That if I go and I interfere and I try and stop it, that it was going to not only people that I loved, but it was going to go after my kids. Because I don't really talk about like stuff like that that much. Doing what, like what we do, I had to basically say, no, no, you're not. You're not going to have that power. You don't have that power. So go ahead. Like I basically, because I could easily have gone oh no 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 no! please don't no 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 you know and i didn't and that's the thing with them is is they're gonna they're gonna take things obviously that thing when i channeled in knew that i love my kids and stuff like that i say kids i only have one but they showed me multiple children future children and basically it was telling me it was like i was gonna miscarry a lot it was gonna make me miscarry if i intervene and stuff like that um yeah, it was it was it was it was pretty bad. It was probably the worst encounter I've had, and I've talked to things that are demonic before. Not like talk like "Hey, buddy," like, but when we're trying to remove something or help somebody, and I had to channel in, and it's there, and I'm like, "Whoa, back up," you know. And if I didn't have that, that I would be in I would be in deep shit, I should say. And I feel like anytime we might have an oppression case. I have, you just have to tune it out. And I think Megan's even had that because one of the biggest things I think demonic entities try and do is intrusive thoughts as well. And that's why sometimes, unfortunately, when somebody is oppressed or depressed or not depressed, but oppressed or borderline possessed, they tend to have suicidal tendencies because that thing wants you to do that. Because, and some people can be suicidal just to be suicidal. You know, they might have something that is causing that, but, and not every suicidal thing is a demonic thing affecting you. But what I'm saying is like, demons are no hold bars. They don't, they don't give a crap how low they go. They'll give you the most twisted images and you just, I guess anybody, I mean, a priest would have to do the same thing. They would have to consistently just barrel through and not listen to them. Well, fear is the name of the game and we are yet... I say yet. So never going to. I'm saying yet. Have yet to deal with it in a, in a uh, full possession case. But us being us. Yeah. And I look forward to the day of testing myself against it. Because it technically it all sits down. And I said this in every Shadow Walker episode. It is my final test. Yeah. To see if I can. And I think one thing that the Pray for the Devil movie. I always refer to that movie. But I do think it had valuable points in it. Is one of the, the girl. The nun. Um, one of her things was she, while the priest was praying and basically getting control of the vehicle, getting the thing out, the girl was basically going in the back of the trunk and unlocking it and bringing the girl to 
the driver's seat. And I do think that has to be that. I don't know how many priests actually do that, but I feel like that is a really excellent battle plan when you're going against these things that somebody is focused on the soul while the other person is focused on the entity. That makes sense. Yeah. So soul retrieval or something like that, which I think that's something honestly different, but that's what I would call it. I think that is something different. I think that's like when a part of your soul is, I don't know, but, (laughs) but I would call it. I have a tendency of doing that, calling something, something that's is something else, but I don't think it's that something. So I call it that something, but it's not that something. What? (laughs) I bet you one person probably understood what I was saying. Yeah. But yeah, so silver tree rule I think is something else. But I would I would refer it to as like the person that basically goes for the soul of the person. Because like in the movie Pray for the Devil, she was like, "Come on, come on, come on, get back, get back, get back, get control. You're still there. Like, come on." Well, that was was essentially one of our battle pl- battle plans. Is that while I'm working on the outside, you work on the inside. I'm the trunk unlocker, I guess. <laughs> well, that's a future. Yeah. Haunted Update episode. Who knows? That I guarantee that a lot of people are going to look forward to. But then it wraps up here today. Yeah. Uh, what are we doing next week? So next week is... Okay, so next week is called Raw, The Law of One, which is a listener, Sydney. She has been asking us to cover this. It is the... It's a series of 106 conversations called Sessions between Don Elkins, who is a professor of physics and a UFO investigator, and Ra, who is speaking through Carla uh, Record, I think. Uh, Ra states that it and they are a six-density social memory complex that formed on Venus about 2.6 billion years ago. So a lot of the different talkings and sessions and stuff like that talks about different paranormal subjects and we're just gonna see where that goes and put our perspective on it yeah so that should be an interesting one and i know sydney's gonna enjoy it so have a bonus episode interview i did with uh dylan from paranormal thought which is podcast we talk uh, he honestly talks about the same thing we talk about but he is more of an interview based podcast but not all of his, uh, his episodes are interview based but a lot of them are about different perspectives and what he talks about people in the paranormal, alien abductions, and stuff in that kind of world, you say. So we kind of fit when we talked about stuff like that. And he does, in that episode, he does bring up uh, one thing I've heard about, but I never got the round perspective of it, about how owls are involved with alien abductions. Look forward to that episode. But as always, guys, you can catch our social media at Hidden the Shadows Podcast on Instagram, Hidden the Shadows 6 on Twitter, Hidden the Podcast 2 on TikTok, or links to all our social media, and always listen to us at HiddenTheShadowsPodcast.com. And as always, we'll catch your widows in the next one. Yep. Feel free.